the good. Luke 16, verse 10. Here's what it says. It says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in dealing with in dealing with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Verse 11, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That one sticks out to me right there. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth. That's the issue, I think, on the table today, at least for this morning, that I want to talk about. Has Jared, um, has Kayla, has put your name in there, have, so far, have you been found trustworthy in handling worldly wealth? And what does that even mean? Have you been found trustworthy handling it? How would you know if you're doing it in a trustworthy way? Because just making more of it is not exactly a sign that you're exactly trustworthy with it. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And um, the idea that I like behind it is that if, we are trustworthy with it, God uh, promises to bring more of it. You'll be entrusted with more. More. Could be more money. Could be more resources. Could be more people. Um, and either way, it's going to be an increase. So I wanted to focus this morning on saying, okay, listen, Here's the resources, finances, money that I have. Here's the money, finances, resources that I owe. Uh, Here is everything that I got. How can I handle this in a trustworthy way? So that way I'm honoring God with it. So number one, honoring God with it. I'm doing it in faith, number two. And number three... I'm doing it in a way to bring glory to God. Right? That's the issue on the table with our money, our finances, our resources. So it's like, we have it, we want to be good stewards of it. We want to do it in a way that recognizes who He is. It recognizes us that we have to actually do it in faith. And um, what it's going to do is it's going to set us up for an increase later on. We talked Wednesday night at the prayer meeting that uh, last week we said that really the, the, the whole idea with money and finances, the whole idea is basically the way we spend it and consume it, it's really just, it's like a mirror. It's just a reflection of, of where our hearts are at and what we value. So if we were to look at your account right now, you just to pull it up on your device, whatever it is, or go home and look at it and print out a spreadsheet whatever the numbers are, whatever money got spent, like, we'll see very clearly what things matter most to people. And much of the fight for us as Christians and Christ followers is we want to uh, make sure that we are treasuring, investing in, and spending money towards the right places in the right ways. 
So that's typically where the fight is, because it's like, ah, oh, you know, because you have to live. I mean, you gotta eat food, you gotta go grocery shopping, um, you know, you gotta, you know, pay for insurance, um, you gotta pay bills, you gotta pay debts that you owe. These are things that we have to do. Um, God bless you, by the way. Right, and so it's also wise to save for things and have some money somewhere to where if something happened, something comes up. Maybe there's an emergency fund in place. And you have it, like, okay, well, psh, wasn't planning on the brakes going right now, but I'm glad that I put away a little bit, and so now I can handle it. At least it's a little bit less of a hit. So there's practical things that we can do to utilize the money and resources that we have to, number one, set up ourselves for good stewardship, but number two, allow God to give us more later. And that's what I wanted to just talk a little bit about this morning. And um, to go back to Wednesday night, I didn't forget about that. Um, we reminded ourselves about the issue of the heart. Because money is just a reflection, just a mirror of what we do. It's all about a heart issue. Whatever we treasure, that's where our hearts are going to be. And we can treasure silly things. I can treasure an amazing physique. Obviously, I do not. A couple laughs. Right? I, it's kind of important, and I know it is, because I'm made in the image of God, and so I want to like take care of it, and I don't want to be careless with it, but at the same time, it can't... There's other things in my life that I'm not going to give on it. On. So if, if it came down to a day where it's like working out, or spending some time with the Lord, and I haven't spent some time with the Lord, let's say, you know, three, four, five days or something, that hasn't happened in a while, but if that was the case, but listen, I ain't working out today. It's not happening. Well, if I look at the budget and say, man, that gym membership is getting expensive and my giving is looking like this, well, like, you know what? That's taking a hit for a while. Or sometimes some people just wear themselves out with two or three jobs, but maybe they might not have to, have to, have to do that. Because sometimes they say, well, there's work and there's money. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean you have to take advantage of it. You don't have to. But maybe sometimes you do have to, right? It just depends as far as what's going on. So the idea is getting our heart really healthy. And a huge enemy against that that will mess everything up is um, greed. Greed will kill everything, right? We talked about that on Wednesday night. Greed will just kill and crush anything. That's just being a taker. I need to have more, I need to have more, I need to have more. And the interesting thing is, like we talked about on Wednesday night, is a lot of times you think about rich people being greedy. Poor people are some of the greediest people around. Reason is because they don't know where the next whatever is coming from. So when they actually get it, they want to hold on to it. And let me suggest to you that that's like a strong, what's been referred to as a poverty mentality. Like you don't know where the next meal, food, whatever is coming from. And so it just hold on to that. And so there's a good chance if you're greedy when you're poor, you're not going to be any less while you're rich. Because when you start getting things, it actually starts to own you. And that's why there's countless stories of movie stars, athletes, that come from a certain place in life where they don't have anything, and it's very difficult, and it's really a struggle. Then they get things, and they're still the same person, still struggling, never not knowing how to handle money and finances, and they just wasted all the way. It's really sad. It's really sad. 
It would have been awesome if Jesus Christ came into their heart, came into their life, gave them an awareness of what's really important, where their heart should be. They were taught how to treasure it. And they're like, wow, I got all this coming in. And then they'd have a better idea, a better sense of how to handle it. So I just want to give us some practical, just a few practical ideas as far as how to handle day-to-day money coming in. Last week we talked about the heart issue, which is the most important. Um, it's really difficult to handle money in a way that honors God and does it in faith without taking care of a heart issue. If I'm not living in a relationship with God that's repentful, that's authentic, that's going after who He is, and I'm trying to just do money the right way, right, I would be missing it. I'd be missing it. Because I'm just trying to do another thing for God instead of living in relationship with God. He's not calling us to do things for Him. He doesn't exactly need Jared to do anything. He'd really like to see Jared to do the things that are on Jared's life when it has him called to. And just put your name in there. But the truth of the matter is, if all of a sudden... I'm dropping the ball and I'm checking out and I'm decided not to engage myself. God's saying, well, listen, this is on your life. This is your destiny. I want you to do I want you to enter in. But listen, part of your plan was to be around these people, involve these people, to do these things. And if you're not going to do it, so-and-so over here, they're in and they're going to do it. So I'm going to use them. And that's the reality of it. Because the story is just not about us. It's about everybody. And God wants everyone in relationship with them. He wants everybody connecting with his heart. So this issue of money is so closely tied to our relationship with God that it's silly to talk about it without that being a focal point. So now that I feel like we've really hit that one, now we can go on. Sound good? Okay. 2 Corinthians 9. That's, that's where we're at here. Alrighty. This is an interesting passage can't find it. It's in the New Testament. After Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Acts, 1 Corinthians 2. Here we go. Chapter 9. Let me set the stage for you because we're picking up middle of the story. Basically what's happening is Paul's writing this letter. Okay, He's writing the letter and he is going to have some people show up to the church. So basically if um, Let's say some church planner that we supported, they're like out and they're planting a church somewhere, somewhere in Connecticut, maybe somewhere uh, overseas, somewhere else. We're sending them out and um, they need help. They need some money. They need some resources, some finances. They, want, want, they would not be able to make it back because they're working there planting, so they send a few people over here. So this is like what Paul is doing. He's sending some people to sort of home base, a church that also believes in them. And he's saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to make it, but some other people are coming and they're going to collect money from you. They're going to collect money because this church over here really needs it. And so that's what Paul is getting into right here. So that's where we pick up. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints. But that service to the saints is giving money. That's what that means. All right? For I know your eagerness to help and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, 
and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So this church in Corinth, they've been saying, hey, we so believe what's happening, God, what you're doing. And they've been saying, hey, we're going to give. We're going to do it. We want to give towards it. We're in. We love the vision. We love hearing what's happening there. We love the stories that we're getting. We're, we're so in. That's what their church has been saying for the past year. And so Paul's like, well, he's been saying it for the past year. And I've been telling everybody he's been saying it. Verse 3. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. But that you may be ready as I said you would be. Saying, hey, listen, I, we've been, you guys have been saying it. I've been telling everybody you're really going to step up big here. Please make sure you follow through. Because then it's going to look bad for you guys. And it's going to look bad for me. Right? Verse 4. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. I don't know how that makes you feel. From Paul, like, really, I, I like how he's just a straight shooter. Whether it's about Jesus Christ, the gospel, sin, about money. Say, hey, listen, you guys said you're going to do it. If you don't, that's like looks really bad on you. You guys are going to look horrible. And you're going to look horrible to the people that are like coming to come collect. So he's like a real straight shooter. Verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So here's the idea. Paul is saying, hey, listen. What I want you to do is decide beforehand what you're going to give. Everybody say beforehand. Beforehand. Here's the, here's the first idea, first thought about money is when it comes to giving, right? So we're talking about giving right now. When it, and we're going to talk about two other pieces of money in a minute. But right now we're just talking about giving because it came up in the story. When it comes to giving, it's got to start beforehand. Everybody say beforehand. beforehand. Yeah, I want to make sure you don't forget that. Beforehand. If it's a thought that just shows up when the bucket passes in front of you, well, that doesn't even happen here. So it's like, then you would never think of it. That's a problem. That's a problem. The healthy right way to think about right money and finances when it comes to the giving arena is it's something that's thought about beforehand. It's like, okay, how are we going to do this? What is this going to look like? What am I committing myself to? Where's the measure of faith involved? And where is it just easy for me to do it? I need to be somewhere. Right? Something like you think about. And then you pray to God. God, I want to honor you. I want to do this the right way. I don't want to do this too easy so it's too comfortable. I want to do it in a way that's sacrificial. I want to do it in a way that honors you. Maybe you're calling me to do something more. Maybe you're calling me, I, I don't know. But Father, what is it? Right? This is a communication, a relationship that happens before anything ever gets dropped in a bucket or clicked online. You with me? Because Paul is saying, hey, listen, I want you guys to do this beforehand so that when they show up, it's not like we're pleading and begging with you to get something from you. It's like, that's not a good look. And that's just, we're doing it wrong if we're doing it that way. He's saying, listen, I want it to... Can you look, imagine the difference if Paul sends these brothers, they come there and say, hey, listen, we've got this work going on, this plan is happening, God's doing things. 
we need you. Are you going to help us? And people are like, eh, you know, let me see what I got. You know, like, throw a couple in here, throw some of that. Contrasted with, they come. Guys, we got this thing going on. God is doing it. And then a, a representative from the church stands up. You know, somebody stands up. Michael, whoever stands up, you know, in the church. They say, hey, we know. Paul told us we've been in prayer. We've been in relationship with God. It's all laid aside, ready. Let's pray over it together. Ask God to bless it. God's going on your way. Not going to waste your time. Isn't that so different? One is very mature. One is like very immature. One is very vision-focused, purpose-focused. The other is kind of like procrastinating and just sort of, eh, if I sort of, depends what I got. So it's very different. So when it comes to money and finance and it comes to giving, much of the work has to be done. God calls us to do it beforehand. Beforehand. The interesting, for, interesting thing for them is that they've been saying for the past year they're going to come up big. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me, they have a little bit more to live up to. They kind of put the pressure on themselves. Here's what I, what I find interesting is that it's always easier to talk about things than it is to actually do it. Amen? Yeah, it's always easier to talk about stuff than actually do it. Uh, Paul never gave them a loophole to get out of what they've been saying for the past year. I like how he just said, hey, listen, you've been saying it. Now's your time to show up and do it. And it doesn't seem like, I'm sure there's some room for some extraordinary things that might happen, but for the most part, he's really holding them to it. So beforehand, everybody say beforehand. beforehand. Yeah, it's really important. When it comes to money and giving, like, if that doesn't happen, it's like, then, like, how are you giving? What are you giving? How did you even come to the decision to do what you're doing? Right? That'd be, this doesn't make any sense. And I don't know how trustworthy, like, we're found with the riches and wealth or whatever God gives us. So let's keep going. Verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Everybody say sparingly. That means a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Say generously. Yeah, that's a big word. Each man or woman should give what he has decided in his or her heart to give. Hey, that sounds like beforehand stuff. It does. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, God, make us excited to give. Oh, man. Like, that's, that's one element that I'm not totally comfortable with in our church, and I want to have changed, hopefully, within the next year, is that we just... Um, the box in, on the side, or in the back, or wherever, is fine. And, and I, there's a lot that I do like about that, but there's some that I don't like. And the part that I don't like is uh, we're missing the celebratory dynamic of giving. I, that needs to happen more in our church because much of it needs to be celebrated. And so when we know what we're giving into and who causes us to give and who supplies and who handles the seed and causes the growth 
It's very exciting, whether we're putting in one dollar, because that's literally all that we could do, or we're putting in a huge amount. It's exciting. It's exciting. And I want to be able to experience more of that. And I want to make sure that, like our church culture, I want the kids next door to be excited to put whatever money they got inside there, because they know that God will do something about it. And do something with it. So God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all... Look at this. This is like a huge statement, okay? So don't miss it. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen. That's a lot of alls. That's a lot of alls. Bible doesn't have a whole lot of alls in it a lot of times. Might want to pay attention to that one. God is able. Everybody say able. Can you imagine how many people give when they thought that God was able? That would transform a lot of giving. I know it transformed a lot of giving in my own life. And I just realized that he's just able. He, he will do it. I'm not losing here. I'm not, I think that's the biggest battle. At least it has been. That's okay. Everybody say goodbye to Allie. Bye. It's been awesome this year on the West Coast. Make sure you tell Josh we said hi. Yeah, see you later, right? But Abel is like the core thing, right? Remember for a long time, the issue, the main issue, at least in my heart, maybe it's in yours, maybe it's not in yours at all. Is he able to make this up here because this one's going to hurt? Or this might hurt for a while? That's why I'm saying this is a faith issue. Here's a very helpful, simple, but yet profound statement. Uh, when it comes to giving and it comes to God, he is not looking for us to give out of the surplus. He's not looking for us to give out of the surplus. There's really not much faith there. And that's like something extra we threw in there because we could do it. I can promise you, I can promise you, uh, that that is not the idea of giving that God has in mind. He has a different type of giving. The different type of giving that he has in mind is not surplus, it's sacrificial, the other S word. Because he's able. I say able. He's able. He's able. So why wouldn't I? Because he's able. He could do it. He'll make it come back. See, it's very much a faith issue and trusting in the character and nature of who he is. Well, I'm on so much debt, and I only have this much stuff. Well, listen, let's figure out that beforehand thing, and let's figure out what we can do. And I know that tithe is like a, you know, it's an important thing mentioned all throughout the Bible. And the tithe, that didn't happen with Moses. It happened before that. It happened with Abraham. 
he goes and he wins a huge battle, rescuing his brother-in-law. It takes like 300 guys. They take out thousands of guys. It was an amazing victory. And he knows he only won because God equipped him and helped him. So he meets this priest. Still, nobody knows who it is. A lot of Bible commentators uh, believe that it was like either an, an angel from the Lord or Jesus himself. His name is Melchizedek. You can look him up during the week. It's a pretty interesting story. Melchizedek. I'll, I'll leave it to you and Google to spell that right. But Melchizedek. So he comes with this battle, and he runs into this priest, Melchizedek, in Genesis. And he just gives 10% of everything that he just won. He doesn't know this person. He's not aware of this priest. Something in his heart just responds in worship, and he gives 10%. And nowhere in the Bible is Abraham ever reprimanded or like disciplined for worshiping somebody else and just giving 10% off the top like that very interesting. And so that idea of 10% off the top started there. Then it was put into the law with Moses. And then now, yes, we have Jesus Christ who set us free from the law. Absolutely. Amen and hallelujah. The principle and idea of giving God the best off the top still hasn't left. I hope you heard that part. Giving God our best off the top before we can even consume it or use it. That principle still hasn't left. So for most of us, if you're just trying to follow God faithfully and sort of get ourselves in a better situation, you want to try and at least, I said least, at least get to the tithing type of lifestyle. At least you're doing 10%. For most people, you have to work your way up to that. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit while, how to, how to do that. But you have to work to that 10%. You know, might not financially be able to do it right now, immediately when you want to, but you have to work towards it. You know, 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever. I was listening to a pastor talk uh, not too long ago, and he's he was talking about uh, somebody approached him in church. Somebody he like casually sort of knew, but he wasn't super close with. He said, hey, Pastor. He's like, I did it. Like, he wanted to celebrate with him. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I did it. He's like, what'd you do? He's like, I became a tyler. You know? It was something that he's been working on. He's been working on. He's been doing the hard work beforehand, trying to figure out how can I sacrificially say it to you this way. How can I rearrange my life so that my giving reflects who I believe in? There's a newsflash to the entire Western church. Um, The way that we give sacrificially, it will affect our lifestyle and the things that we would like to do. And there might be seasons where there's more and you could just enjoy it. And it's great and fun. And then there's other seasons where it's like, it really adjusts everything. I was hearing a testimony from a pastor not too long ago, and as he was growing in his relationship with God, he realized that, I think he had a few kids, you know, his home was like, it's a pretty good sized home, 3,500 square feet, you know, whatever it was. And, um, you know, he's praying with his wife, right, beforehand stuff. 
praying with his wife, talking about it. Just God put on his heart. It was just too big of a home. It was like, too big of a home. It's not even like, you know, it's nice, but it's not. For him, for his situation, because he's doing the beforehand relational work, God put on his heart. It's just too big. So they ended up selling it, getting another house. It's like, you know, 1500 He's like, eh, it's still too big. You know, but he's got this whole story about how God did it and like what was going on there. The whole entire point of that being is that much of the way we give and what we do becomes God is going to have us readjust our lives for the sake of other people. It's very much a reality. Selling our home? You know, I don't know. It could come to that, sure. But see, this way, if he's our Lord and Savior, everything's on the table. But he's able. Amen and hallelujah, right? You got to take the house, well, fine. Like, you got whatever, however many ones you want. But it's so difficult to trust him with the larger things if we can't even be faithful in the small things. Do you hear me? The small things. It's being responsible with the few things that we do have. That's why this is so important. That's why God so, why do you think God loves a cheerful giver? He loves a cheerful giver because they know that it's not a huge cost to them. They know who's able. They're doing it in faith because they believe and they know that God will come through. How's he going to do it? I don't know. He just will. That's what God loves about it. God's saying, oh my, they're not looking at dollar signs right now. They're looking at me. They're looking at my promise. That's their motivation behind doing it. That's why God loves a cheerful giver. It's because it is done in faith. That's why if it's done out of surplus, like it doesn't, do you see what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't work. Okay. Verse 9, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Here we go, guys. This is like such good stuff. I just get more encouraged that just to empty more things as we just read it together. Verse 11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's like, man, what a promise. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, if you guys step up and you do it here, and well, you're going to be made rich in every way. Like, God would just do it. He will make things happen for you and have things come into place. Grace will abound upon your life. Hear this. Um, there are so- money and how we handle it. That'll open some windows and open some doors that those windows and doors won't be open any other way in your life. That's like an important thing you need to know and that I need to be made aware of. We need to know that when we come before God. There are some things we've been asking God for that we're seeking His heart on. Um, There's just something, you know, things inside of us. And we won't experience some things. We will not experience part of His nature and character if we're not being faithful like we should when it comes to money and finances. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. He still loves us. We could still be a Christian. But we're missing part of what we've been talking about during this series, 
his miraculous faithfulness and his promised provision, the fullness of it. The fullness. He says, man, it's going to result in people thanking God. That's what I have in mind. Like, you know, our church budget, you know, is on our uh, bulletin there. And it's funny when we put it on there, how people watch, you know, we watch the barometer and do all that stuff. You know, when I think about our church and I think about money and finances, <clears throat> yes, you know, you need money to do things. You need money for new beginnings, right? That's like the biggest outreach thing we do at our church. I hope we kill it and I hope we do awesome. If we don't, I'm going to feel like Paul and be like, geez, you know, like we, 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 other churches and businesses we work with, we said we, we could really do something to step up and we never did. Like, it's not going to look good. As Paul said about the Macedonians. So I hope we can do it. We're getting there. But I think of, when I think of money and church budget stuff, I'm thinking about, you know, the kids that will get saved in like Sunday school. I'm thinking about the baptisms that will happen. I'm thinking about the people that want to just check out of their marriages and they say, no, I'm not. I'm going to fight for what is right. I'm thinking about, you know, for the people that want to get clean with things and they want to quit, but they know that there's a God who's able and so they will. Like, money, 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 whatever. Those are the things I'm thinking about. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to having a church established here in our town that but that stuff is important when we can celebrate that together. Because it helps bring that. And what it's going to bring, the fruit is going to say, the fruit is going to be, thank you, God. Thank you for that church family. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for it. I never just saw it before. I wasn't around people like this before that. Thank you. Thank you, God. And I don't know. Like, I, you know, me personally, I'll just, for the most part, I'll, I'll just pretty much pay whatever it's worth. Whatever it's got to be. For people to say, thank you, God, to trust who he is and be in a lifelong relationship with him. I mean, I, you know, tell me how much it is, and I, I'll pay it. It's fine. Because I know he's able. He'll, he'll, he'll take care of me. I know that. Thankfully, you know, my parents at a young age, they've made plenty of mistakes. Ask Keith. He didn't make any mistakes. My mom made all the mistakes. But, you know, amen. Yes. So they made all their mistakes and did their stuff, as we all do as parents. But one of the things that they did do, you know, early on was they did, they did, they taught me at a very early age just how to give well. Sometimes I was willing, a lot of times I wasn't. But I was able, you know, just to give well. So by the time I got older, you know, I got married and you know, I had to figure out finances as a family and do all this stuff. It wasn't something I had to figure out. It's like, oh, you know, I've already been doing this. Like, I've already been giving away my birthday money since I was like eight years old, you know, to the church. Like, that was, that was normal to me. You know, if money came in, Keith was like, is you going to tie that? You know? A lot of times with that tone, too, by the way. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't like that all the time. But the idea of being, right, that nature and just that culture of just recognizing who he is off the top. And I would just argue something. I'd be like, that's birthday. I didn't work for that. It wasn't my income. You know, but uh, he's trying to be a parent and stealing, right, the right way to handle it. Stuff is so important. So important. thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Is that not priceless? Ah. And I understand a lot of people want to give to church, because honestly, like we've talked about most churches, their one message has been give, and then 
really their, their other message that they send is that we're irresponsible with giving, we're not transparent, we don't know what happens to it, and we take advantage of it. And, and I get that people get hurt by that, they get harmed by that. It's a, it stinks, you know, it's a crappy situation. Um, but, but, uh, we still got to do our part. You know what I mean? We still have to do our part. Whatever people do with it, whatever they do with it. It's like taxes. We've got to pay our taxes. Well, they spend it wrong, and they do this, and they do that. You know, okay. Like, and I'm not even going to debate most of what you're saying. It's probably right. But currently, like, you know, i got to pay them, so I'm going to pay them. It's going to happen. And here's a real eye-opener. If you go to any third-world country, and then you come back here, taxes ain't that bad of an idea. It's really not very good in most of the world. And you don't know it until you go. Verse 13. Um, continuation of verse 12. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men and women will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I love how he just goes into making sure that they get money, but he never said, do it, do it, do it. It's like, if you don't do it, you're going to miss so much of what God wants to do in your life. And that's the message from God with money. If we don't step up and we don't respond the way he's calling us to, we're going to so miss out on a part of his heart and a part of his nature. We're going to miss it. That's the good news. Let me give you some practical things, okay? And then we're going to close with one verse. I see the clock, I do. Okay, practical things. Don't look, don't look, don't look. <laughs> practical things, okay? Real quick. Three things. I'm going to try and make it simple. It's, it's honest, and the reason why I do this is because it's worked well, at least in the Murphy household. We've tried a lot of ways. This one has, has, has been probably the best for us. But there's, there's other things to do as well. Um, three practical things. Number one, if you could... If you could boil your finances and the way things come in, the way stuff works, three categories. Living, giving, saving. Everybody say living, giving, saving. Yeah, living, giving, saving. Now, typically you go online, you look at anything, any website, you're going to see these budget sheets with all of this stuff on there. And those are good and they're helpful because it looks, you can get a very close picture of where you're spending things. Over time, it just beca- it's just hard to do that a lot takes a lot of time. It's just hard sometimes. But if you can, go into your account or accounts and look and say, okay, here's all the things I've spent money on. Now, let's categorize them real quick. Right? Living, giving, saving. Well, food, grocery shopping, gas, medical expenses. Right? That's all living. And a good starter point, a good starter point, okay, um, to work towards the tide is if we could go, right, 80% living, 10% saving, 10% giving. Some people can't start there. You've got to start maybe 70. 90% living, maybe, and break it down, 5%, 5%. But you've got to start somewhere. So if you go 80% living, 10% giving, 10% saving. That usually helps out a lot. And if you, you, know, if you are to print off, which I do all the time, Julie and I do, you might want to as well, You'd probably be scared, not excited to look at it, but you got to do it. Um, 
look at the numbers, Dick, okay. Print it all out, just look what's on there, boom, here's what we got, let's break it down, and then you're going to come out with a number. That's what we actually do, or that's what I actually do. And then now is like, after that point, you got to start to think about, okay, we got, I got to make some changes. Got to make some changes. Got to make some changes. But sitting down and doing that, fifteen minutes once a week, helps us to be more trustworthy with worldly riches, and it dramatically changes the way we do. things things with money in our homes in a really big way. So living, giving, saving. 80, 10, 10. So now, for a lot of people in church, they carry tons of debt. Carry tons of debt. And so it's like, well, okay, how can I really give if I have all this debt? And that's a good question. Here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that no matter what the debt is, that cannot, and God does not want the debt payment to be at the cost of your giving payment. Does that make sense? So no matter what the debt is, in other words, you have some kind of money coming into your home, I have some money coming into my home. took me a while, but now I can tell you pretty much on average about how much we're going to have coming in and on average how much we're going to have going out. We got to be able to do that stuff, right? It's called being a good steward. On average, here's what I'm making. On average, here's what's going out. And different months change and different things happen, but should have a pretty good idea of it. So when that money comes in and there's a lot of debt, you say, listen, I, there's no way I can do 10% right now, but I could do 1% or a half a percent. You, like, you have to start somewhere. Do you understand? So it might be 98% living. 1% tithe, 1% save. Are you with me? That might be the reality. Might be 97%, whatever it is. But the idea being is, okay, boom, that's where I'm starting. Now I can build. Otherwise, it's just like, I'll just shoot whatever, and if I don't aim anywhere, I hit something, so that's pretty good. And that's crazy. God's saying, no, I want to entrust you with like significant riches. We'll handle this right what you have right now. We'll get to some other place. Does that make sense? Interesting that was mentioned. He said bread and seed in here. How many people know that it doesn't like do a lot of good for you to eat your seed? And bread, you don't plant in the ground. So like you eat your bread. That's like your 80%. You eat that. That seed, that's what you sow. So you save some of that and then you give some of that. And so when Paul is referring to this bread and seed, like that's what he's giving reference to. And I see the clock. So here's your banner verse. When it comes to giving, it comes to money, and it comes to finances. Are you ready for it? This is the verse that like so many athletes, and, and you know, they could do it, put on their helmet. Um, people have it posted everywhere. But I want to show you the absolute banner verse when it comes to money and finances. Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, nope, not Luke. Philippians 
Take a look there. Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles. It's the banner verse when it comes to money. So Philippians 4. 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Did you know that's the money verse? Did you know that? Everybody say that's the money verse. Pun intended. Like you could say, like, that's the money verse. Or you can say, that's the money verse. Same thing, but very means very different things. That's the money verse, but that's the money verse. That's the money verse. Just in case you forgot it already. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul is saying that in reference to money and finances. He's saying, boom, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have a little. doesn't matter. I can do anything through God who gives me strength. That's his money verse. I hope it's your money verse. It's got to become our money verse. So when it comes to giving, comes to sacrificial living, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It's going to be a hit. But you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do it. God can do it. He's called me and he is able. He is able. 